Welcome to the Jack and John Podcast. I'm Jack. And I'm John. And we're on a mission. To help you focus on Christ. Well, Jack, as always, I love doing this with you. And, uh, you know, we're getting into some really heavy stuff here. Yeah, uh, very, very serious stuff and um, powerful. And I think uh, there's a force that's behind everything that's leading up to the crucifixion here because of the importance of the crucifixion and how that it was really crucifixion, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the central focus of, of history, I believe. And uh, so it's just so important that we see uh, uh, just some powerful things going on. And uh, so I think it'll be interesting to just kind of see what you think Absolutely. about this and kind of talk through. There's just some powerful imaging that comes mm-hmm. through the whole idea of the cross. Mm-hmm. You know, God doesn't do things by accident. And, you know, we talk about things in terms of a crossroad or the crux of a matter or Mm. pain that's really bad. What do we call it? We call it excruciating. Mm. All of these words come from that same word that that we translate into crucifixion or the crucifixion. Absolutely. So we're in Mark chapter 15. And guys, I've got to tell you, this is some heavy Stuff And I I feel it on my heart as we get ready to talk about it, Um, because this is one of the most powerful, uh, darkest moments in human history, I believe. Mm. Um, But it's not darkness without light. Right. Because the light is present and permanent and. He knows what's yeah, going to happen. And Jesus was willing to walk through the darkness oh, yeah. uh, to bring light. And that's exactly what he did. And he, uh, he intentionally um, went to the cross. I mean, I believe that he won the victory in the garden and uh, determined that he was going to do God's will. And uh, so he did it. And uh, it's pretty amazing to see Jesus and uh, just his nature and how he handles Uh, what he's going to have to go through in these chapters that we're getting ready to talk about. Well, let's, let's jump in here. Very early in the morning, the leading priests, the elders, and the teachers of the religious law, the entire high council, met to discuss their next step. They bound Jesus, led him away, and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. You know, Jack, it says very early in the morning. Right. But we know through the timeline, as the the crucifixion happens, that this would have been basically in the middle of the night. So when they say early morning, I mean, this is the pre-dawn hours of early morning. So they're they're sneaky. Yeah, he was crucified at 9 a.m. Yeah. So this is, you know, to do everything that they did. They're sneaky. Yeah. Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, You've said it. That's the New Living Translation. Well, and okay. you have said so. So he did not say, I am here. Right. Uh, he, he said, you said you have said yeah, it. You've yeah, you've said it. So then the leading priests kept accusing him of many crimes, and Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer them? What about all these charges they are bringing against you? But Jesus said nothing, much to Pilate's surprise. So basically, there's three trumped up charges here that mm-hmm. these um, chief priests make, and they're very pointed uh, to try to get Rome to be mad at Jesus. 
<laughs> so that they will pronounce him worthy of death. Mm-hmm. And they know he's not. So their trumped up charges, their lies, false testimonies, all this stuff is going on. But basically what they're accusing him of is they're com- uh, accusing him of perverting the nation, the entire nation. So they're, they're kind of laying that on him. And the second thing they're doing is they're trying to say that he was forbidding tribute to Rome. Uh, so he, they thought that would get Pilate on him, you know, if they, they said that. And the third thing that they're trying to accuse him of is wanting to be king instead of Caesar. And so Jesus says nothing. And I believe that if he had said something, if he had spoken up and defended himself, he probably wouldn't have had to go to the cross. Pilate probably would have released him. Because as you go through this, you'll see that Pilate is sympathetic to Jesus. And him being quiet actually draws focus on the evil of the chief priests, mm-hmm. uh, the priests. Absolutely. Because it just kind of points out that they're, they're crazy and uh, that it's all about them uh, getting Jesus out of the way so that they can get the authority and the power that he's getting from the people. And they're very concerned that they don't turn the people off and that they don't ride against them. And uh, so they're being sneaky in order to do this. But uh, what Jesus being silent is doing is it's just focusing on the chief priests and how crazy they are and how evil and and how deceptive. Uh, This story right here, this piece of it, um, takes me into the book of Acts where uh, Philip is is taken by the Spirit to the Ethiopian eunuch. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, he's in some, he's in Samaria. Right. And he's in a revival meeting. Yeah. Because and, the Ethiopian eunuch is reading from the book of Isaiah. Right. And doesn't understand it. And he's reading this this about ab- this abs- moment. That's right. Okay. He's reading yeah. this prophecy yeah. because it says, "As a lamb led to, uh, before the shearers is silent." So he opened not his mouth. Yeah, so he opened not his mouth. Do you understand what you're reading? Yeah. Philip said, and he said, how can I know unless I am taught? Yeah. And he started from that very passage and taught him Jesus. So that's kind of cool. Take a minute, you know, and look at Isaiah 53, Mm -hmm. right? But I picked the right chapter, didn't I? Uh, 53 is, uh, yeah, cleanse me with it. It's in there somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. We do I don't not know, you pull those things out. Be scholars, I... <laughs> but, you, know, you get the idea. Wow. Um, now it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner, anyone the people requested. One of the prisoners at the time was Barabbas, um, a revolutionary who had committed murder in an uprising. The crowd went to Pilate and asked him to release a prisoner as usual. Would you like me to release to you this king of the Jews? Pilate asked, for he realized by now that the leading priests had arrested Jesus out of envy. There you go. But at this point, the leading priests stirred up the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. Pilate asked them, then what should I do with this man you call the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, crucify him. Why? Pilate demanded. What crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. So to pacify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip 
then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Yeah, so it's amazing to me that Pilate knows that he's innocent. Yeah. And yet does the will of the people. Yeah. Uh, or the, specifically the chief priests. And uh, instead of giving him justice or being just, uh, he gives in to the mob. Well, even though he's a Roman governor and Rome is the authority, um, he's still a politician. And he and wants peace. Yeah, and yeah. he wants peace. And he's, 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 he's playing the game uh, that, the, that the people are calling for. Um, interesting little thing, and, and I don't know how much to put into this, but if you break down the name Barabbas... Bar. Do you know what it actually uh, means? Used to. It, it means son of the father. Uh. You know, there's a strong irony there. Barabbas was an insurrectionist. Yeah. And he was a murderer. Yeah. So. But who's the son of the father? Well, Jesus is. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, it's sort of like the, the hero and anti-hero. You know? Well, the cross, the cross shows off our hypocrisy. Oh, yeah. And if there's anything that's hypocritical, that's, that's it, it. That Barabbas would be the son of the father because yeah. he's, you know, anything but as far as what he's done, his deeds and what he deserves. Sure. But it shows off our hypocrisy as well. The cross. Because you, when you come to the cross, you're laid bare, you're stripped bare. And when you look at your deeds, who nailed the nails into the hands and feet of Jesus? You know, you, you could say it was our sin. And so we all are responsible right. for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. It had to right. be done. So. Verse 16, the soldiers took Jesus into the courtyard of the governor's headquarters called the Praetorium and called out the entire regiment. They dressed him in a purple robe, and they wove thorn branches into a crown, and put it on his head. They're just having fun with him, you know? I you mean, see a lot of racism here. Well, you see a lot yeah. of prejudice. I think the soldiers hated the Jews, probably didn't like the fact that they were stationed in Judea, um, saw what all these Jews, they were just bothersome to them. And so they just take all this out on Jesus, all of this racial hatred, all of this frustration, and uh, just start to have fun. And uh, what kind of fun is that? And they were uh, brutalizing the Son of God. Then they saluted him and taunted, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him on the head with a reed stick, spit on him, and dropped to their knees in mock worship. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him again. Then they led him away to be crucified. You know, years ago, Jack was the, the worship pastor, worship leader at our church at Mount Pleasant. Um, and we used to do these amazing uh, Easter pageants. Yeah. I mean, they were amazing. And... Uh, I think part of what ended that is Dave Guthrie, honestly, just got too old to be Jesus. I mean, I'll just say it. I mean, that's not really what it was. But but Dave was just, he was a really great 
Jesus, you know, he, although I always thought of Elvis when he's breaking the bread, you know, because of his voice, he'd say, Those are Dave my. was a good looking man. <laughs> he was a handsome and, guy. And he was he's like, guy. this is my body, which is broken for you. <laughs> Thank you very I, much. I mean, I will tell you, throw that in there, but it just sounded like Elvis to me. I will tell you this, <laughs> that Dave Guthrie loves Jesus. Oh, absolutely. And ever since I've known him, he's loved Jesus. Absolutely. And he was the humblest person playing that part. He knew he was unworthy yeah. of it. And uh, Dave just went to another place when, uh, when he did that. It, it was amazing. I bring it up because Jack did a good job of orchestrating this scene for that, to give it some emotion and visceral feeling um, when you watched it. Because we had... Uh, John Mellenbaugh and uh, I can't remember who the other Roman guard uh, was. J- John, um, his last name, uh, make, uh, ah, move on. Anyway, yes. <laughs> well, John Mellenbaugh is the one I'm remembering because of what happens, okay? And so we had these things that looked like the cat of nine tails, but they were like foam or something, mm-hmm. you know, and they'd, they'd beat him with this and hit him. Well, and then um, they're, they're doing this. And of course, Dave's in a sweat because they're, they're like working out doing this stuff, you know, and um, they're doing the scene and John's supposed to take a swing at him and act like he hits him. Well, Dave has a misstep and John just clocks him right in the jaw. And Dave sees stars and thinks, this is it. I'm going down. Um, I'm not going to be Jesus anymore. This is too much. I can't handle this. You know how it's like in these kind of moments, everything goes slow motion and your thoughts are just whirling. And so it's like you got all these thoughts spinning through your mind all at the same time. And he's got to catch himself. But I mean, talk about adding to the realism of the moment. Now, here's the thing and why I'm telling you that's such a teeny little glimpse, not even close to what was actually happening. I mean, if they're play acting and he's working up a sweat and he's getting clocked and he's feeling like he's passing out, I can't even imagine. Well, there was something that happened. Really going something that happened one year. Oh yeah. When he was on the cross, the the foot thing. No, that maybe have but what happened this night uh, was at a dress rehearsal and uh, Dave you know they had some leather straps oh, and he was gosh. standing and and hit the leather strap broke off and Dave's arm came down like this and he come and his other arm was literally holding him on the cross and his friends who were playing the soldiers were were just you know mortified and they run over to help him and Dave starts to scream at them, don't help me. He said, what, what would these soldiers have done oh, had, wow. G- had this happened to our Savior? They wouldn't have come over in compassion. And Dave got it. Yeah. You know, at this moment, there's hatred here. And they beat him almost to death. And to hit a man with a wooden rod in his head, he was probably almost out of his mind with pain and whatever, you know, as a doctor, you might know some of the things that were going on with him, but. Well, I'm telling you what, Jesus was a tough dude. Oh my goodness. Because 
I'm pretty sure I would have never made it to the point of needing a cross. Yeah, he'd been dead. I'd have been dead. I'd have been dead. And I for sure wouldn't have been able to carry that thing. There's just no way, you know? <laughs> All right. Um, where are we at here? All right. They spit on him. Um dropped it to their knees in mock worship when they were finally tired, when they were finally tired of mocking him, when the soldiers are exhausted from beating him and mocking him or, or bored with it, they took off the purple robe and put on his own clothes on him again. Then they led him away to be crucified. And John, that's Mark's commentary on the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. He said, and they led him away and crucified him. I mean, they don't say anything about the nails or, or anything else about the physical. A little, bit. little bit, but I mean, but they yeah. don't. The 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 way the other right. gospels give us details. Oh, yeah. He doesn't give the details, but I will tell you as you read this, what you need to focus on and what people need to focus on as you listen to it. Uh, what Mark is doing is he's focusing on the people around the cross. Mm. Yeah, Because if you watch this, who we're going to hear about is we're going to hear about Simon of Cyrene. We're going to know who his son's names, what his son's names are. We're going to see all of these people, the centurion, the passersby, the chief priest, the person who came with a sponge to give him, you know, something to keep him alive longer, uh, probably just to see what was going to happen. And this was fun. Um, but you see, that's what he focuses on, which is quite interesting to mm-hmm. me, uh, to see uh, the, the thieves on the cross. Um, all of these people are, are focused on. So uh, pay attention to that when you hear this. And this is like the first chosen, because that's, right. that's what this is focused on. The people around the cross, you don't see as much about Jesus specifically and what happened on the cross. So No, good, good point. Verse 21, a passerby named Simon, who was from Cyrene, who was coming in from the countryside just then, and the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus. And they brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. Let let me read something before you go on, okay? Read something in the book of Romans. Well, it's interesting because Golgotha is is Aramaic. And it's, it's interesting how the Bible does that sometimes in the New Testament. They kind of switch back and forth between between Greek and Aramaic. Calvary is uh, the Greek word, and that's the same word where we get the word calvarium, which just means skull, and that hence the place of the skull. It was literally called the skull. In Romans 16, 13... Listen to this. Paul says in his letter, greet Rufus. Yeah. Chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. I believe that Rufus, the son of Simon of Cyrene, had a part in the first century church. Yeah. And uh, was quite a true Christian believer. Yeah. Maybe this changed Simon of Cyrene. I, I would imagine, you know, if you would think about what he did to pick up that cross, he would have had to have had the blood that Jesus was obviously bearing, shedding, that was on the cross, rub on him, and he was so close to Jesus as he helped him go up that hill, bearing that cross. It had to be effective, had to affect you, had to affect Simon. So I think that's interesting. 
that his son shows up as a member of the church. I just can't imagine. You know, Jesus t- tells his disciples, take up your cross and follow me. And, and I mean, here's literally the first guy doing that. I mean, very literally. And uh, I, I just, I'm overwhelmed to try and even imagine what that situation might have been like. Um, and, you know, when you're talking about Jerusalem and streets, it's not like streets that we have here. Because these streets weren't really designed for, you know, wide travel, like you got four lanes of cars. No, I mean, it was like a wide hallway. You could maybe fit one cart and a wagon through it if all the people got out of the way. But these, these streets are pretty narrow. I mean, because everybody walked, okay? And so because of that, it's packed, you know, I'm, I'm imagining just like a little channel that you cut through between all the people um, to, to get there. And here's this guy. What in the world went through his mind and his kids, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, and they brought Jesus to, okay, to, we read that. They offered him wine drugged with myrrh, but he refused it. Um, you know, what's, that's an important thing, too. Because he's going to feel it all. Right. Absolutely. He's going to feel it all. That would have been uh, kind of a, you know, kind of like an anesthetic. Yeah, it's a way to show mercy to the guy that's that's getting this kind of punishment. Ease the pain. Yeah, you're deadening his pain. Kind of like an anesthesia. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Or a sedative. A sedative, yeah. Let him fall asleep so he's not feeling all of it. Now, Jesus is like, I'm 100% in this moment. 100%. Um, and he refused it. Uh, then the soldiers nailed him to the cross. They divided his clothes and threw dice to decide who would get each piece. Again, you're seeing the soldiers now. Yeah. Well, and what are they back doing? To Isaiah, they cast mm-hmm. lots. Right. All right. And so this is fulfilling it's the prophecy. Fulfilling prophecy. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. A sign announced the charge against him. It read, "The King of the Jews." Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Ha! Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well, then save yourself and come down from the cross. I might make a comment that um, he could have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Bible says he could have called 10,000 angels. He could have he could have totally destroyed all of them. Oh, that's the whole thing. And he and he could have had the right to do it because he is going to be and is the judge of all the earth. But if he'd come down off the cross. Then we wouldn't be saved. Right. And we wouldn't be here. Right. And so uh, to say, come on down the cross and, you know, prove that you're the Messiah. No, he stayed on the cross and proved that he was the son of God, mm-hmm. the savior. I mean, and again, it brings us back to the, uh, well, the foreshadowing, the imagery and the irony of this being Passover mm-hmm. and them not recognizing that he's he, the Passover he's lamb. The Passover lamb. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, heavy, heavy stuff. So death passes over them. Right. Because he died there. Right. Um. The leading priests and teachers of religious law also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, 
but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross so we can see it and believe him. Even the men who were crucified with Jesus ridiculed him. So for them to say, come down for the cross so that we might see and believe, that wouldn't have happened. Mm-mm. There, there's, there's no way that mm-hmm. that would have happened. That would have just made him angrier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Bible says that about the end times and second coming, that when they see all of these things coming to pass, people, for the most part, aren't going to be turning to God. Mm-hmm. They're going to be angry at God. Right. We we want to be our own God. That's the thing we wrestle with. That's the struggle. Um, The the leaders, the teachers of the law, I'm not sure that they were mad so much because Jesus was saying he was God and the son of God. I, I think it's more they were mad because he's not the God of their invention. He's not the God they want. Because they wanted to be their own God. They wanted their righteousness to come through the law, not through sacrifice, not through God's mercy, um, not through the whole story that God had painted out for us from the beginning. Um, They wanted to be their own righteousness. And and that was part of what blinded them to the, the fact that, you know, you need a Savior not to free you from Rome, but to free you from your sin, to free Amen. you from yourself. As we kind of draw this maybe to a close, this, this episode, I just want to say that what you see here is Mark emphasizing those who are reviling Jesus. But there were those who loved him and who were there. You don't, you don't see it in this particular part of the passage. Mm-hmm. But John is there. His mother Mary is there. Joseph of Arimathea, who is a part of the council, but who is uh, probably secretly a disciple of Jesus. And you see the centurion and uh, even eventually the one of the thieves on the cross. Right now he's reviling him, but he will change. And so you do see those and you will always see that whenever Christ is lifted up and whenever we focus on his sacrifice on the cross, Uh, there will be those who revile it and who reject it and who might even uh, make fun of you and reject you. But there will always be a remnant. There are always those who hear it and are touched by it and who believe it. And uh, that's what we pray that you're seeing and that you become someone who hears it, sees it, and believes it and allows Jesus' death on the cross mean something to you and change you and uh, give you all of the hope and all the love and all of the peace that what Jesus is doing here for the joy set before him, give you that joy. Amen. I mean, this cross truly is <laughs> the crux of the matter. Amen. This this is the turning point in history because this is the moment when um, the earth is basically told Here's, here's the Son of God who is sacrificed for you. He is our salvation. Um, wow. Okay, well, next time we're going to get into uh, Jesus' death. death. And, um, and 
what that means for us. Mm. Wow. Guys, thank you so much for wading through this heavy stuff with us. Um, we love you. I hope that you're seeing Jesus through all of this and that you're clinging to him, that you're drawing closer to him. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>